we've been talking about this. God doesn't set us up for unsuccess. He's not saying, hey, faith is an assent to me that I don't give you the grace to do. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not how it works. So he wouldn't call us to pursue him if he didn't give us the grace and the disposition to pursue. But what ends up happening is we aim that pursuit at all sorts of things that yep. aren't him, right? And we've heard this. It's, I mean, it, it's somewhat cliche in the church, but you, you cannot fill like an infinite longing with a finite thing. Yeah. Friends, welcome to Beyond Damascus. This is the show where encounter meets mission, and we're glad you're here. My name is Aaron Richards. I'm one of the executive directors here at Damascus, and uh, working here with Dan Demite, brother in Christ, Brad Pierin. Yes, sir. Uh, happy to have you on the show today, and uh, welcome to the second in our relentless series as we are pursuing um, what it is to engage with God powerfully through this through this beautiful season of Lent. Mm-hmm. I want to kick off the show with a little bit of a story, all right? So, but the age of 15, I experienced God in a powerful way for the first time when I went down on my first official mission trip to a little town in uh, southeastern Kentucky called Cranks Creek. And it was there that um, I think my eyes were opened to a whole new understanding of what life can be like on mission. On our last show, Brad, we were talking about... uh, you know, what are, what are those moments that really, that really, um, and we weren't talking about this. You were, you were going on a line of, a line of conversation and it brought, it brought to mind this, this understanding for me of what is it that has made me really come alive in my relationship with the Lord. And for me, it's always been stepping into a place of mission that, uh, when I feel exhausted, when I feel spent, when I feel out of energy or focus, it's, it's stepping back into a place of pouring out everything of myself that all of a sudden it's like, I find myself in a place of reset where God reminds me of who I am. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I was 15, I, I went to Cranks Creek, Kentucky, and it was there that uh, I engaged with a mission that was started by our local parish. Dan, you, you spent a ha- handful of years engaged in the mission at Cranks Creek as well. And uh, I, I could talk about all the good things that we did in Cranks Creek. And over the last 20 plus years of being engaged in mission in Harlan County, I think the one thing that I've circled back to is that Cranks Creek was less about the stuff that we did. And it was more about um, a particular man and his, and his wife, Bobby and Becky Simpson, that the Lord planted there who... Uh, their mere existence in this place. It transformed a culture and a community. And ultimately, my life and the lives of, of thousands, tens of thousands of others who experienced them and, and witnessed them over the course of their lives. Um, Becky Simpson died uh, 10, 10 years ago or so. And uh, Bobby died just, uh, just a couple weeks ago as of the airing of this show. And uh, I, had, I had the beautiful opportunity to go down and to spend uh, a week, a, a weekend um, in the community celebrating his, his passing. And a month before, uh, my good friend Andy and I uh, got to go down and spend a couple days with Bobby as we knew he was kind of getting close to the end. So I'd love to share a little bit about um, what I have learned mm-hmm. in reflection on the life of a man who has just poured himself out uh, without, almost without a second thought in pursuit of mission. And, uh, you know, the theme of the show that I, w- I want to I get to today, last week we, we spoke about God's, God's relentless pursuit of us. And today I want to speak about our relentless pursuit of God. Uh, this is the show where Encounter Meets Mission. And I think that uh, we we can see man's pursuit of God through both of those lenses, and oftentimes there may be a temptation to to kind of divorce one from the other. That well, I can't it can't all be about the stuff that I do, but it's in it's in the stuff that I do in mission that I that I meet the Lord, and it's in meeting Him that I that I'm empowered and called mm-hmm. into a mm-hmm. life of mission. Um. 
So, uh, I don't know. Do you guys have any reflection on that to kick off? Why don't we start in prayer? That's great. And then, and then, and then we'll jump in from there. Yeah. Brad, do you want to lead us off? Yeah, great. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the gift of this Lenten season. Thank you so much for all the ways that you pursue us. We pray today, Lord, that as we have this conversation, our eyes would be open to the ways that we can pursue you in return to how you're pursuing us. We pray that all the ways that we pursue you in the world would build us up, would build the church up, and would ultimately um, build everyone up and build the world up so that we can all return to you. Help us to focus in on you this Lent and mm-hmm. help us to focus in on you this day. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Uh, Son, Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Aaron, I, I, I do think it's interesting. I mean, so uh, my first encounter with Jesus, um, I always say happened at Cranks Creek in Harlan County, Kentucky. And it wasn't a encounter with Jesus at Eucharistic Adoration or while praying the rosary or at mass. It was yeah. while working with the poor. And um, the it was really the the process of working with the poor and seeing um, the poor and interacting with them in a human way um, that I, as Mother Teresa would say, saw the face of Jesus. And when you see the face of Jesus in the poor, it's a, it's a real encounter. Like it was for me as a 12 year old, it was a real encounter with Jesus Christ that, that shifted the rest of my life. And that encounter with him made me desire more mission, right? That after encountering him, I wanted others to know him and to experience his love and to be loved by him, which then led me to come home and start sharing the gospel with Mm -hmm. my friends. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think sometimes we can, in our modern context of uh, programs and resources, almost limit our, um, our strategy to introduce people to an encounter with Jesus Christ through prayer ministry or through, um, you know, uh, the preaching, the proclamation of the gospel or through the sacramental life of the church. And these are all real, tangible, effective ways to evangelize and bring people into an encounter. Um, but also just inviting people into mission with us yeah. is a real way to yeah. help people have that initial encounter. And then that, that does that desire leads to greater mission. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, one of the, I, I want to pull out a theme from that. And uh, and Brad, I'm sure that you've I'm sure that you've experienced this, especially growing up in in the middle of Appalachia as well. Mm-hmm. The um, when I when I started going to Cranks Creek in in 2001, um, there was there was something that happened there. I, I will admit, the first couple of years of my experience there, I went to do work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and over the course of of doing the things, right? Of participating in the work. What I found in myself is that is that God actually opened my heart mm-hmm. to the place where I made room for authentic friendship and relationship. Mm-hmm. Right. There was a there was a shift that happened in relationship with the with the with the Simpson family where I realized after a number of years of going to cranks that it was less about performing a work of service that was good and meaningful and fruitful. And it was more about actually living in loving relationship with another human being, mm-hmm. right? Of, of pouring myself out in love. And it was there that I was able to, to, to find the face of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've thought about that before. I, I think that's sometimes where we get lost too, is that like, it's actually, it's actually my faith that usually takes me into a place where I'm serving the poor. So that faith is leading to the works, but then those works lead back to greater faith. They're like, I'm actually, because at first I'm like, I'm just doing this work because it's the right thing to do, yeah. right? Because Jesus would want me to do this. Then all of a sudden I realize it's like, whoa, no, as I'm doing this, I want Jesus to accompany and accompany me in that, right? Yeah. And then I come yeah. back to him and there's this like deepening of it where I then do realize it's not just what I'm doing. Yeah. It's the meaning and the person I'm bringing with me when I do it, right? Yeah. And I think that, that that's a huge... Um, that's just a huge context for all of us because I can see Catholics get stopped in a variety of places. Like they'll just treat their Catholicism as if it's just a list of things I need to do because Jesus yeah. wants me to. Yeah. Or I can see it be like, well, it's it's re- it's really faith, right? And now that I realize that I need more faith, I'm not going to go do those m- minuscule things. It's like, well, no, they're yeah. they're meant they're meant to be intertwined. Yeah, yeah. Which and I, I know you want to get into the the person of Bobby Simpson, but it, it, it is kind of that's. Like when you look back on his life, he did a lot of things, but he 
you, there's not a massive amount of things that follow his yes. life. Yes. Um, but he had such an impact and was so effective um, on mission because of the way he loved people. Yeah. And, and so like for me, I'm a, I'm a builder and I like structures. I'm like, man, like if only like there would have been a little bit more structure and yep. fuse, then yep. there could have been this, this and this built. But the, the, hmm. the special charism on his life was that he had this ability just to be with people and, and, and hmm. see people and love people. Yeah. I was, uh, I was, I was talking to someone who runs a ministry for um uh, they 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 reach out to prostitutes and they're um they're just loving prostitutes who are still in the life and are struggling to get out of the life and um as as I was in conversation someone asked like well yeah, but what are they doing to get the person out of the life and and I was like well that's actually not what they feel called to do like their their mission is just to love and for a large part, that was Mother Teresa's mission. She it was just as the missionaries of charity. Yes. Their mission was simply to give love. It, it's not the missionaries mm -hmm. of charity. They weren't the missionaries of justice. They weren't trying to go in and Bingo. change yep, yep, structures yep. and systems and, and, and build foundations <laughs> to end poverty. <laughs> yep. They're like, no, we're just going to go and love. And that's really what, what Bobby did. It yeah. wasn't. He wasn't a justice warrior. He was a he was a lover. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's funny. On uh, so in in my last visit, so Bobby Bobby Simpson died at the age of eighty six, and uh, Bobby Bobby was blind since his early twenties. I remember when I was fifteen and I went down for the first time to Cranks Creek. I met Bobby playing basketball outside the survival center. I was shooting hoops as a kid, and uh, this kind of awkward older guy walked over and started shooting basketball with us and he was hitting every shot. And <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I, was, I was, you know, a little punk. And then shortly after our game, he went and picked up his walking stick and, and started feeling around and grabbing, you know, guiding, guiding his path along, along this basketball court. And I realized the guy's blind. <laughs> and I was like, oh my oh, gosh, what, <laughs> what kind of man is I this? I think it's his actual, I think it's his trick. I, I don't well, know. <laughs> maybe, maybe back then. <laughs> no. Not at the end. <laughs> because first time I, I met him too, he's trick. going around talking to everyone. He's like doing service work and like, like, uh, like putting things in bags. And then someone's like, you know, he's blind, right? I'm like, that's impossible. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. It's just, I'm going to start saying that. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I, I'm blind. <laughs> well, there's a, difference, not but work, there's a difference between lying and maybe oh, like degrees of blindness. Okay. Then, but, no, no. He was yeah. a, he's a, that would... and <laughs> anyway, uh, it, it's what was funny is, is in any conversation that, that I ever had with the man, um, not only did it never get in the way, but it, it was never even, it was never even mentioned. Like he never, he never, spoke about it, reflected upon it. There's so many, so many times when I see people who, who struggle through whatever adversity, like that's their story. It wasn't a story. His story was, was I love people. Mm -hmm. Dan, you were asking me before the show, how would, how would Bobby, uh, you know, rate on the scale of apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. And my statement was, I, I think he just, he modeled the cross. This was a man who, who every mm -hmm. conversation you had with him regardless of how you'd try to change the subject would come back to, can you, can you help me help people? Can, can you help me? Can you help me help this person? Um, there were a couple of things that, uh, that, uh, that really identified Bobby Simpson. He, so Bobby was, was the co-pilot in, in every truck that left Cranks Creek and went around the country to get supplies to bring back to the local community. And over the course of 40 some years of mission, uh, they actively engaged communities from all around America and all around mm. the world, even in coming out and doing service missions. And Dan, you talk about how he he wasn't an activist, but uh, his his wife Becky in the early ages that that's actually what got the Survival Center started. On their on their wall, they have this signed congressional order that they were able to accomplish that prohibited um, the the destructive strip mining. That actually threw the whole area of Harlan County of Cranks Creek into the economic mess that it found itself in. So they were actually the ones initially who were able to like accomplish massive social change 
But then from that place, they came back and just settled into this really beautifully mm-hmm. humble place of obscurity, you yeah. know, living, living truly in the midst of poverty among, among yeah. the poorest of the poor uh, in, order, in order to give their lives away. Mm-hmm. And it was, that, it was that constant invitation, not only to just, you know, hey, do the right thing, but come and, come and live with me and yeah. do the right thing. Come and share my life and, and do the right thing and, and, and see people's hearts transformed. It was just, it was so, uh, it was so life-changing for me. Yeah. Well, there's something about advocating for the right thing, but then being present to it afterwards, right? Because that, that that's, what, that's what someone who loves does. Someone who loves someone, they advocate for what yeah. they see as the need, and then they remain with the person as that advocacy comes to pass. Right. Yeah. And that's, I think that's the issue I see that you were pointing out too, Dan, is sometimes in the world today, we're encouraged to advocate for things that have, that we're not willing at all to see through mm-hmm. or that we advocate for because it, it, it allows us to say that we're kind of on that team. But what I'm hearing here and never having gotten to meet um, Bobby, like there was an advocacy that was accompanied for mm-hmm. yeah. decades. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. Well, and, and not to throw, tr- treat one as more important than the other. So the beauty of the church is that we're called to walk on both legs, charity and justice. And yeah, that, true. Um, uh, but that there was a real charism um, yeah. that, that Bobby yeah. had uh, yeah, of, of charity. And it is kind of discovering, you know, what are you called to? And I think yeah. that the simplicity of life that he lived was, mm-hmm. was this call to uh, um, accompaniment and, and charity through accompaniment. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, I love the way you described it, Aaron. It's that accompaniment, not only with the poor, but then also um, inviting others to accompany him on mission to the poor. And I think that so often that's where we we fall short in ministry that we we mm-hmm. do the work, but we don't invite others to do the work with us. And yeah. it's that that an invitation in that people are actually craving. I remember, like yeah. in those early years, the like. Bobby bringing our youth group together when I was in middle school and high school and, um, and just like thanking us for the work we were doing, Mm -hmm. um, educating us on the suffering of humanity and then inviting us to, to be people who were part of the solution. And it, that, Mm. that invitation in is so valuable, um, because it, it invites you into the work of, of the gospel. I had a reflection a couple of years ago. So we would, you know, we led our youth groups to Cranks and, and to various places in Appalachia for, for close to 20 or 12 years. And the, uh, you know, every time we would go down there, we would ask for Bobby to come in to teach or to witness in some way. And I don't know, probably three or four years ago, I had this, I had this realization that um, Bobby never really speaks words that are impressive. No, <laughs> no, you <laughs> <Right>? never, <laughs> and you never know what he's going to say. And he never prepares. He just kind of talks. <laughs> and, and, and oftentimes the jokes are a little off color and, uh, and, and usually, and usually through a very thick uh, Appalachian accent, very difficult to understand in the first place. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was sort of reflecting on this, like, why, why do I go through the trouble of having this guy come in and, and speak to our group because it was always like a, a huge ordeal um, to, to identify a time and get everyone focused and in the same spot. And I don't know, Brad, if you've identified or witnessed this ever, but mm-hmm. Appalachia tends to run on a little different time, time schedule. Yeah, yeah. It's own time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I had this, this really startling realization that um, the reason that I come down and sit with this man isn't because of the wisdom that he speaks into my life, but it's because I'm, I'm, I'm truly sitting at the feet of an apostle. Right of of a of someone who carries, as you said, a charism of charity, mm-hmm. yeah. and that charism is communicated mm-hmm. by by living life together. Right, it's it's imparted through through uh, connection, through relationship, and I was able to identify the areas in in my life and the way that my life has truly been transformed just in those times sitting with him. There was a beautiful moment. One of my one of my last, uh, you know, we went down to visit to visit Bobby, uh, about a month before his, before his death. And, um, he was struggling with a lot of illness and, uh, the Lord really put it on my mind as, as my friend Andy and I were down there to, to ask Bobby if he would impart like a a fatherly blessing on us before we left. And, uh, he held our hand and 
he uh, he started to pray, and it was it was just so typical of this man that his prayer his prayer of of blessing over us was, Lord, would you help the children? Like, would you help? Would you help the people? And at first, I was like, okay, you must have misunderstood what I was asking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> and and then I and then as I was as I was thinking there with 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 the Lord, he he was like, no, this is this is the blessing that this man has to impart. It's that every breath, every thought of his life is for the other. And that was that was lived out through through the life that he lived in in truly just sacrificial offering for this this poor community in Cranks Creek. Um, I mean, Bobby was the connection point, like I said, for for tens of thousands of people who came and learned what it was to give themselves in an act of service. And uh, and you know, he like I said, he lived at the age of eighty six. Um, and at, on his on his way out, uh, he'll he'll disappear with a whisper, mm-hmm. as as COVID has kind of put a put a grand conclusion to a lot of these groups coming in from various places. But uh, his his life and his mission, I think, will live on in in the lives of 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 many others over the course of time. Mm-hmm. So, in reflecting for today's show, uh, I kept thinking the Lord was speaking that that. He wants to communicate this message through story, and uh, and I, I could think of no better story to share than one who recklessly pursued, relentlessly pursued um, God with every with every mm-hmm. beat of his heart and breath of his lungs for as long as I can I can remember. Dan, yeah. you were talking about you know filling bags. One of my one of my favorite stories uh, was we were doing a roof. Um, roof work down in cranks and we pulled in this was only like probably six or eight years ago and i mm-hmm. pulled in the lot and there's bobby up on the second story of a ladder <laughs> carrying shingles up to the roof like in his late <laughs> 70s and blind <laughs> by the way <laughs> so. <laughs> so i ran up i was like bobby get down from that ladder and he said yep uh you know my uh he's I, I was I was talking about my back at one point, and he was like, "Yeah, I had like I had a couple herniated discs in my back. My doctor told me never to lift anything as heavy as a teacup." <laughs> and it's like, you know, I I carried that about out the out the door of the doctor's office, and then yeah. threw that piece of advice in the trash. Uh, <laughs> you know, it just it, it's uh it's been a, it's been a great week for of reflection for me. Yeah. Those I'm kind sure of people you guys can so, imagine. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm so glad you shared that story because those type of people, they they really do change our perspective. Yeah. Because um they they are in so many ways like the one that we worship. They're simple and they're they're focused on the um they're they're focused on the focus of their love. Right. Like um like even even like talking about God's pursuit of man, right? Like the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in, the, in that Trinity, that exchange of love, they're always focused on the one that they love, right? Within their um, Trinitarian, we'll, we'll say relationship for the sake of putting it in human terms. But like, um, so too, God is like that with us and we're called to be like that with him and with others, right? Because to your point, Dan, like one of the first times you encountered God is in others because God has placed part yeah. of him in all of us. So yeah. when we are focused outwardly, we pursue him. That's why we talk about encounter and, and mission here. It's not by accident. It's because encounter is the relentless pursuit of yep. the face of God. Yep. And mission is the relentless pursuit of the face of God. <laughs> and both of them happen in, yep. in it, one is in a, in a one-on-one type of like exchange. The other is in this, this outpouring exchange. Mm-hmm. And in order to do the second appropriately, we have to do the first, right? Yeah. So this, this um, so Bobby, like this man, like he knew the Lord and because he knew the Lord, he knew what the Lord would do if the Lord was where he was. Yeah. Right. And then as he was doing that, he met the Lord even more. And then it, and it fed this, this loop. And I know I've, I've mentioned a loop like that twice now, but it really is a part of our spiritual life that we, it would almost be like a corkscrew, yeah. right? That it's a loop that, that ties the two ends together, but goes deeper and deeper as it goes. Hmm. That's good. Yeah. So uh, as, as we, as we jump into this series, kind of, kind of to transition a little bit into into relentless, what it means to to relentlessly engage um, with the Lord. Last week we talked about 
God's pursuit of us. This week, we're talking about our pursuit of, of God. Um, I think that that does have to be seen through a variety of lenses, but Brad, we hit on the catechism to kick things off last week. And I wanted to, I wanted to just maybe, maybe speak kind of philosophically, theologically about, about when we, when we talk about our capacity to, to love God, um, that that capacity in itself is, is God's gift to us, of course, right? It's, it's God's relentless pursuit of us that actually charges us and gives us the grace to be able to pursue him in life. I, I love the way that the gift of faith is identified for us, that faith is both our response and also a gift that the Lord injects into us, that he mm-hmm. paves the way that we might respond. Um, and it is beautiful. It's articulated beautifully in the catechism that as it begins, like the catechism begins by uh, the that paragraph number one, identifying that God's God's mission and 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 purposes is to pour himself out, to make himself available to us. And then, then as we speak of the nature of God, mm-hmm. and, then, uh, and then ultimately over the course of the next pages, come to the place of understanding that God builds us in his own image, that it's also within our nature to pour ourselves out in the same fashion. So that's the, that's the theory of, of how it is that we're built, of how it is that we're called. Like you are made to love relentlessly. You were made in the image and likeness of one who does. But that's not oftentimes the reality that we see in the world. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if today we might be able to kind of focus our show looking at, looking at some of the practical application of, okay, here we are week two of Lent. Um, you know, maybe my commitment to some of those things that didn't have teeth is, is, beginning, to, is beginning to wane. As I look at, as I look at, okay, how is it that I pursue through through discipline and through connection with with the Lord? How is it that I pursue relentlessly mm-hmm. relationship with Him? Mm-hmm. And what stands in the way? I think it's interesting you're connecting it with <clears throat> the story of a a missionary, uh, you know, like Bobby, because I think the 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 um. It would be very easy to do a show where we're like, okay, if you're going to relentlessly pursue God, like you want to go to mass every single day, you want to go to holy hour every single day, and you want to get your rosary in every single day. And it can be very, um, uh, it could be a show very easily put on, do all of these spiritual actions, and that is relentlessly pursuing God. And, um, but when we think of, of God's relentless pursuit of, uh, of man, you're not going to talk about all the actions he does. You're actually just going to talk about, the 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 state of his heart that he just yeah, loves us with such deep mercy and grace and and I think ultimately our our reckless pursuit of God should be that man I really want to love like you love like I yeah. want I want your heart God and um I want your heart for your people I want your heart to be manifested in my life and what yeah. happens when I pursue him and I get his heart it all it it, it immediately goes back to his people uh, I mean the um, when you were saying like mm-hmm. Bobby's prayer was one that um, when he was praying for a father's blessing over you, it was let, let your children be served. It was, it's, well, when I like the father's heart is just like, it's constantly, he wants it. it I think his heart is just so um, desires his, his children to be cared for so deeply and loved and, and seen um, that, uh, that it's 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 easy to 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 overlook this missional component of this pursuit of God. That actually, you no, know, it's not a it's not merely about the number of holy hours I'm having. It's actually about um, whether or not I'm having His heart for His people. And mm-hmm. um, and you you see, so just an interesting um, reality too is. So often when we come to God, we, we, we recklessly pursue him, wanting him to make us better, but not crying out for the nations, right? Uh, the, so often it's, hmm. it's almost like this, like, I'm recklessly pursuing you. Make me better. Help me yeah. overcome the sin. Help me grow in virtue. Help, or it's just me and my own. Help my mom. Help my dad. Help my family. Help my children who've left the faith. Mm-hmm. And we, we come to him with this reckless pursuit for my own sanctification or the sanctification of my close to loved ones, but we don't come to him with a reckless pursuit for the sanctification of the world. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's almost this absence of an understanding of, 
wait, that's not actually the father's desire. He doesn't just want you. He wants you, yes, yeah. but he wants his people. And I think one of the reasons we don't see a greater explosion of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is because we're not crying out for the Holy Spirit for the sake of the world, right? The Holy Spirit, the gifts mm-hmm. of the Holy Spirit are poured out for the sake of the salvation of others. That's mm. kind of the understanding of the charisms. But if we're not crying out in our re- relentless pursuit of God for the sanctification of others, it actually, it, it, it's it's a block from the Holy Spirit to come. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I, I was um, I was kind of struck by your um, just presentation of Father there, Dan, because I, I was thinking it through, and I would presume this to be true. You two would know better than I, but like within like even within a family what, what father god demonstrates to us in the the sending of jesus right is that a father doesn't just want his son to stay in his home and be perfect mm-hmm. like yeah fatherhood doesn't just say stay in the home and be perfect it says oh you have so much to offer to the world like and like and i i'll spend all my time pouring myself out to build up that you to build you up that you might go and actually be who you are because that's actually where you'll pour yourself out and lose yourself in the same way I'm pouring myself out to you. Right. And so there's this like reality that to your point, Dan, that any building up of me, let that be used for the building up of the world because that's that, that's that exchange. That's, that's the way that the way that God's pursuing me is here's everything. Mm -hmm. All I need from all, all I need from you is receptivity. And like, if we could look at the world and say, mm-hmm. all, all, I, all, all of me is yours, all I need is receptivity, mm-hmm. it, it, it just passes on, right? And so that's, mm-hmm. that is part of that relentless pursuit, no question. Beautiful. So uh, our, our prayer today for this community would be that, God, you might press, press that reset button in any area where we are uh, out of alignment, where we've lost focus on him as the, as the goal of, of that relationship. Yeah. And, and I guess, yeah, uh, to, to be merciful towards yourself, to know that his, mm. like, his priority right now is, is your response. Yeah. That you would respond and that your life would be transformed, yeah, for the sake of the world, right? Mm. Um, I, I'd, like to, I'd like to hit on maybe a couple different reflections on, on what is it that keeps us separated from him? You know, we see in, in Revelation that beautiful image uh, that Jesus paints for us that, behold, I stand at the door at, and knock. I stand at the door of your heart and knock. It, it's not as though God has ever stopped his pursuit of us, but if and when we find ourselves in moments where, where we are separated from him, it's because something is standing in the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, we would do well to, to target that something and to, and to orient our lives in right, you know, in, in right orientation so that we might uh, open that door to him invite him in and see our hearts transformed. Yeah. So the first area I, I wanted to point out, um, and again, we hit on it a little bit last week from the standpoint of the, the Israelites in the desert is that our temptation through control is to build idols so that we can, um, so that we can do the good that we desire in our own lives free of, free of surrender. Uh, in, you know, in the example of scripture and in the example of, uh, of seeing uh, historically that, that looked pretty, profound and ridiculous of, of building, you know, a, a golden calf to worship. And that, that, those aren't the idols that we get wrapped up in today. But I think that, I think that idols and control um, are still the foundational issues that mm-hmm. stand in the way of, of wrestling surrender out of our focus. Yeah. Well, we, we are made to pursue something. Like, God, we've been talking about this. God doesn't set us up for unsuccess. He's not saying, hey, faith is an assent to me that I don't give you the grace to do. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not how it works. So he wouldn't call us to pursue him if he didn't give us the grace and the disposition to pursue. But what ends up happening is we aim that pursuit at all sorts of things that yep. aren't him, right? And we've heard this. It's, I mean, it, it's somewhat cliche in the church, but you, you cannot fill like an infinite longing with a finite thing. Yeah. And so anything that's an, I, I think we can, we can kind of treat idols almost as if it's like, um, yeah, like, okay, well, that's, that's not me because we'll, we'll read stories like the golden calf and we find it to be ridiculous, like <laughs> you're saying. But like, 
an idol by definition is any finite thing that I'm trying to fill the infinite longing with, mm-hmm. you know, like, like th- this, like, um, what I usually say, like, like all the P's, right. So like prestige, power, popularity, um, like all of those things can really get into a, a place where they become idols to us. And yeah, I think just as much now than ever, those can be huge limits to our pursuit of God because all of a sudden I am pursuing four things, yeah. which doesn't allow me to pursue one thing, yeah. right? And if I pursue that one thing, those four things will come to the degree they're meant to. And that, that's, that's, the, that's the power of, of single-hearted pursuit. But to yeah. your point, Aaron, those idols, they, if you're trying to like look at four things at the same time, you're looking at nothing. But if you look at one thing, you're able to move. A relentless <clears throat> pursuit of God would demand time, <laughs> right? Right. Like if, yeah. if it's going to be relentless, it, it means on the one hand, it's not, it's, uh, it's enduring. It's yeah. over a period of time, right? I'm not giving up. I'm not yep. letting go. I'm not relenting. Yeah, yeah. Um, so relentless pursuit of God necessarily involves time. And then a relentless pursuit of God would necessarily involve energy, like, right? Like if something yeah. is relentless, yep, yep, yep. It, it, it requires energy or yep. passion or yep. fervor. And so to have a relentless pursuit of God and to, to in view of idols, right? It, it means idols getting in the way are taking away my energy to pursue God or hmm. they're not giving my time to God. And so Jesus is Lord and that means he's Lord over everything. And so he's Lord over my mind, my calendar, my, 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 my schedule, everything I do. Mm. Right. And Mm -hmm. so the things that are, the things that are consuming my mind that are not of God would be considered an idol. (laughs) The things that are consuming my energy that are not of God would be considered an idol. And, um, and I think that's where the Lord wants, like if he wants our time, our energy to be surrendered to him. And so, and there's certain things, you know, like, and there's there's time periods where I'm like, whoa, this like looking at my news app is consuming too much of my time and energy and filling my mental space. So now I'm going to fast from news, right? There's, there's a disproportionate um, uh, level of energy and time I've given yep. to this idol over yeah. here. Um, and it's uh, uh, even ministry itself can become an idol, right? Mm-hmm. If a disproportionate amount of our time and energy are given to ministry without the pursuit of God in it um, or without yeah. finding God in it. And so you have to be careful that, you know, I'm doing all of these good works, but yep. um, they themselves can become an idol. Good. So uh, I, I think a lot of times we we try to make excuses for why fasting is not necessary, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. And our tendency to adopt idols is precisely why fasting is necessary. Yeah. Um, because, because Brad, like you said, these are, these are things that we put in the place of filling that infinite, yeah, infinite space, infinite void in our heart. And in order that we might remind ourselves, uh, in order might, that we might, uh, right orient ourselves toward understanding that God is, God is, God alone is, is capable, mm-hmm. right? That that is why we fast. Yeah. Um, the, the secondary benefit, one of the secondary benefits is like, yeah, we'll build discipline. Um, of course. We'll build, build good habit. Yeah. But ultimately, it's about reminding myself that, that mm-hmm. God, you are Lord and these things are not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the ultimate question um, that, that keeps us away from idolization is what is this unto? Okay. So mm-hmm. like, what is this unto? When I'm doing this thing, what is it unto? Yeah. And if it's unto the Lord, right? Because this is a huge um, roadblock that we see in young adults. Like I should say that I see in young adults when I'm ministering to them, that we see at Damascus in, in young adults. Um, same thing with high schoolers, middle schoolers. Like the fear is if, if I get rid of the idols and he's my single hearted pursuit, he's going to take all these things from me, right? He's going to take, he's going to take away these things that I genuinely enjoy. You know, but he's not going to take them. He's going to transform them, right? Back, back to the understanding that Aquinas gives us that like all of our pursuits are oriented towards some perceived good. He's just going to bring us to what the actual good is. Yeah. And anything that's not at, to that actual good, he'll get rid of, but transform it into that, which is towards it, right? Yeah. And then I can continuously ask, what's this unto, right? Is this unto my popularity or the Lord's? Yeah, I, I think in that, 
with that definition, Brad, I think a lot of Catholic, especially Catholic men have made their families an idol and maybe in Catholic women mm-hmm. that, that yeah. we run the risk of making our family an idol because mm-hmm. we do things and we say it's unto our family as opposed to yeah. unto the Lord. So, well, why do I pursue my career? Well, it's for my family. Uh, actually, like baptismally, you have been transformed that you no longer do anything for yourself or even your family. Everything is for the kingdom of God. And who so then provides for who, that yeah, thing yeah. I'm entrusted exactly. with. Exactly. So then I, I, my career is oriented towards unto the Lord. Uh, and of course the Lord who is the provider of your family uh, will, will provide for your family. And, yes. uh, or, or you could see a mother doing the same thing. Well, why mm-hmm. are you running around and running around and running around? Well, it's, it's for the sake of my family, right? Oh, but your, your schedule is unto the Lord. And yeah. so, not not suggesting that you should never run around or, yeah. or get your kids involved no, in things, sure. but the getting your kids involved in things should be yeah. unto the Lord. And the there there's a very careful distinction there. Yeah. Uh, it may not actually change what you're doing with your yeah. time, but it does change the way you do it. Yeah. And the heart disposition. Can I can I suggest one thing really quick? Because I know we have some other practicals, but like it, it's because what it's ultimately unto is the end. Because if you stop with family, the family's not the end. Mm -hmm. The Lord's the end. It can be for my family unto the Lord, right? Because here's the thing is like, if someone says I'm doing this for discipline, yes, it's unto discipline, but what's discipline unto? Well, something like man fully alive. And what's man fully alive unto? Something like the glory of God. So as as long as we can bring it to where what it's ultimately unto in, in an honest assessment of my heart is this is, this is, this is for the Lord. Like it, mm-hmm. it can actually, it can help us understand what unto the Lord means. Cause someone yeah. might be listening, thinking, I don't even know what it would look like not to do something for my family. That's for the Lord. Cause the Lord's called me to my family. Well, when you're doing something for your family, ask is the end simply your family's comfort or is the end unto the Lord's will for them? Is yeah. that helpful? Or maybe you just, no, I think it is. I think that the distinction is though, cause I think you can fall into, um, Mm, like Rel- uh, ex- relativism, yeah, excuses and relativism. That, uh, okay, that sure because sure. So yeah, you can uh, explain everything away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like, oh well, yeah, of course the end's the Lord, but actually, it is, is it is actually? the Lord infused Good. into it? Yeah, so I would agree with that. The yeah. end isn't just unto the Lord; it's the Lord is infused in it, and and Good. so yeah, sure. He penetrates it. So to to make Jesus Lord of everything is not just that He yeah. is the first priority or where all priorities lead, he, he is infused deeply and integrated into everything. So your, your career isn't unto the Lord just because it's providing for your family, which is in service to the Lord. Your career is unto the Lord. If the Lord is infused into your career, he's not a side piece. He's not, he's not a, an accessory. He is Lord of your career. Yep. And I, I completely agree because we're trying to lay it out in a way where you understand, you know, because I think Mm. so many people in our world today are like, I'm listening to all these podcasts and they're teaching me discipline and all these things. And and it's really good. And, but the people that are teaching it, Mm -hmm. it's not unto the Lord. And so they're, they're thinking, why is it good if it's not infused with it's, well, it's because because you can do that in a way that's onto the Lord, Let me, but, but it has to be infused. Like so I, I want to bring us to another uh, kind of theoretical standpoint. Okay? Yeah, 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 I guess sure. not theory, story. <laughs> so uh, I've, got, I've got three words I wanted to hit on. The first was, the first was idols, and the second is, is um, impurity, so purity of heart. And the, the way that I, want to, that I want to look through this is actually in the lens of Cain and Abel, right? So we see Cain and Abel in, in the scripture story in Genesis that they, they present, that both of them present an offering to the Lord. Both of them have worked hard for their offering to the Lord, right? But there's something about the, the, um, the state of Cain's heart that actually makes it that, that his offering, his offering of some good thing is insufficient. When I was a kid, I was always taught that like, I don't know, Cain brought like rotten fruit before the Lord and it was nasty. And so the Lord didn't like, they didn't want it. And Abel was the one who gave his best. Um, it doesn't actually identify that in scripture. Yeah. yeah. But, but what we see is that there's, there's, some, um, there's some lack of pure intent within Cain's heart that the Lord identifies and, and then rejects that good gift. Uh, I don't necessarily want to speak of the the rejection of our good gift, but I think that there may be something to find there. Like, how do we preserve 
the purity of our heart when we're fighting for our family? Yeah. How do we preserve the purity of our heart when we're fighting for our ministry? Yeah. You know, I, I think that's, I think that's the question. Um, I, I deal with this all the time, even in, in the context of worship. How do I, how do I make sure that I'm committed to the purity of my heart when I'm performing something on stage or when we're speaking in front of a crowd? Yeah. Like, what's that look like? Yeah, well, I, I don't want to jump past the story real quick because I think when people hear that about Cain and Abel, that there's, there might be some like, well, is that, is, that, is that the case? Well, there's even evidence for that being the case in the sense that when Cain's offering yeah. is not accepted, that which was already present in his heart works itself out in what he does to Abel. Yeah. Right? Like, like his disposition didn't, didn't only inhibit him from giving a gift completely, it affected his behavior once that gift was not accepted. Like what if Cain would have not had his gift accepted and instead repented and said, man, I was trying to outdo my brother here. I was trying to bring a better gift. And Lord, I see that now. And I see that being the reason here. Help me have a more pure heart. Instead, he allowed that which was present there to continue through, which had him, in fact, then destroy his brother. And I think we can see those subtleties in the church sometimes is that I, I get through this place where I don't think that m- this move of God is as appreciated as this move of God. They're both happening, but, but my encampment's not getting the, the yes. um, I don't know, the attention that it deserves. Yep. So I'm going to destroy this and not hold an honor in my heart for it. And we can see that. So I would say like not to jump past that, but in the speaking thing, I think it's very similar. Like I want to celebrate that which is being given by others, that, yeah. that's a really good pure thing, right? Like when Aaron and Dan give a talk that's amazing, I don't want to first think, would I have given that talk better? I want to think, that's amazing. I celebrate the fact that you gave that. There, there's, there's, um, there's that. And then also holding honor, yeah. I would say, are the two things that come to my mind. Yeah. Celebrating authentically that which God is doing, even if it's not being done through you. Mm-hmm. And second is honor. Honoring that mm-hmm. even that you might disagree with, or that which you might not understand because you can actually honor where it's coming from. Even if the like end conclusion, you're like, we can talk about that later, but the heart that you're bringing to reach that conclusion, I'm, I'm not going to sacrifice honor. That, yeah. That's to the well, and you were also mentioning repentance and that's oh, uh, yeah, like sure. the, this, that, <clears throat> you know, that, that heart that even if it, I did bring in uh, an offering that wasn't great, then just, uh, a regular pattern of repentance, I think, yeah. is so. How do I relentlessly pursue mm-hmm. the heart of God? Um, you know, I've just been looking at people like lives of saints, and um, and and then these modern day people who have seen just insane revivals in their ministry. What what are characteristics of their hearts? And one of the characteristics you see consistently in every single um, heart of man or woman who has seen an mm-hmm. outpouring of God in their lives is a characteristic of just ongoing repentance uh, that there's, as they relentlessly pursue the Lord and ask for an outpouring of the gift of the Holy spirit, there's an understanding that they themselves need to constantly return to him in repentance. And good. I think that impurity of heart, you know, is um, where, where, where are my intentions not pure? I mean, you even uh, Teresa of Avila, Catherine of Siena, they talk about, this uh, Im- imperfect love, right? Yep. Love that's given to God in an imperfect way where it's like, I love you because I want to get something from you. And so like you could constantly yeah. look at this imperfect love that we bring to the Lord. And the more we, the imperfect love we bring to our ministries, all of this. and, and Our vocations. Yeah, yeah. 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 And just to to say, okay, Lord, like I, I know my heart's not in the right spot all the time. And then my love is imperfect. Please mm-hmm. like give me perfect love. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I want to I want to move us toward kind of some some practical application as we look into a relentless season of of Lent this year. But the last piece was identity, mm-hmm. and I think all these things are wrapped up. That that when we understand that we are sons and daughters created in the image and likeness of God, it's it's both a, a litmus test that we hold ourselves to, and also the hope for what we're made for. You know. When, when I think of myself as a, as a son, when I, when I look at myself as a son, it begins to make those things that I've grasped for uh, appear so um, less than, right? Mm-hmm. A- a- appear so worthless. Because, mm-hmm. because as a son, I come into the realization that, okay, 
I was I was created so that I could receive fully for every everything that Lord that you have in store for me. And then likewise, um, as a son, I realized that I'm I'm made with a with a great capacity to actually give myself away. I'm made with a great capacity to love. And I think it's in it's in coming to know those, I, I don't know, you know, those three things certainly aren't exhaustive in their in their identification. But this year as we as we pursue um, a relentless a relentless pursuit of God to ask, okay, what are the things that are standing in my way? Mm-hmm. What are the things that I'm doing or pursuing with an, with an impure heart? Yeah. And what are the things that, that are, are just in, um, not allowing me to step into the, the dignity in which I'm created and the, and the goal for which I was created, right? Relationship with him. I, I, think, I think if we, if we kind of set our sights on those three things that we might end up uh, approximating the the direction of of sanctity. <laughs> yeah. Well, also the identity thing simple in this relentless idea, right? Because when when a son is appropriately dependent on his father, yeah. he does nothing apart from what he sees the father doing. We see it in the natural world. When 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 a son is of the age where they're fully dependent on their father, they do nothing apart from what they see the father doing. Good. Jesus tells us he did nothing apart from what he saw the father doing. Dependency works out like that. And so when we see that God is relentlessly pursuing us, and we're in relationship with him that's dependent. We don't want to do anything apart from what he see, what we see him doing. And what he's yeah. doing to us is what he wants us to in, in turn do with him. Like, I want to pursue you in all these adventurous ways out in the world in mission and also in my daily prayer life in the mass. But yeah, I think that relationship component, that identity component at the end is awesome. I think it's really important too to understand that, especially with identity as father and son, that there's, you know, we have to take culpability of the areas where we're just lazy in our asking of things, right? Like um, sometimes the reason my kids get something from me is because they ask a lot and they just keep Good. asking over and over and over again. And finally it softens my heart and I give in. Um, and I think that hmm. we, we sometimes go to God in prayer and it's not a relentless prayer. It's like, Hey, do this dad, if you want to, maybe, and then if we just, yeah. And then we just let go. And like, so if we are called to be in our uh, relentless in our pursuit of God, there's Jesus, he gives multiple parables of the, the persistency in prayer is what gets the reward. He's ask and you shall receive, like seek and you shall find. He, it's not like, it, so there's ask and you shall receive, which we could be like, oh, okay, I just have to ask one time and it's going to come. No, no. Then he's like, now seek and you shall find, yes. right? Like seeking takes a little bit more effort. It doesn't happen yep. immediately. And um, knock and the door will be open that there's this like, okay, like I'm, I'm going to keep knocking until the door is opened and yep. that we have a, re, uh, a responsibility in our relentless pursuit of God, that when God puts something on our heart that, that he wants for his children, we go after it. And yeah. Yeah. I think big reason we're not seeing more breakthrough in our own lives and in the lives of the ones that, uh, in this world is because we are lazy in our pursuit of requesting, uh, yes. You get what you ask for 100% of the time. And, you know, I think sometimes all we're asking for as Catholics is virtue. And so because of that, we're Mm. becoming virtuous, but we're not asking for, we're not on our knees, relentlessly begging for the salvation of humanity, for the conversion of our country, for the, the, for souls Mm -hmm. to be saved. We're not on our knees begging for God to transform our parishes and to awaken the, 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 these dry bones. Because of that, we're not getting it. We don't see Mm -hmm nations being one because we're more concerned about my own virtue, right? Our heart disposition isn't like Bobby's where when I go to sure, prayer, sure. I'm begging for the the hungry to be fed, right? Mm-hmm. Instead, my heart is just, man, I really want to make sure that like I weed out that tiny little uh, venial sin that I had, which isn't horrible. I'm not saying that that's <laughs> a bad thing, but yeah. sometimes we can be so consumed yeah. with our own sanctification that there is no relentless pursuit for the sanctification of the world. And think about that in the context of Lent too, right? So we're, we're talking in the Lenten season right now. And so that relentless pursuit of all the things you were saying comes out through fasting and prayer. Yeah. Like, are we fasting for, for unto something? Are we, are we praying unto something? You know, like those, those really matter. And then almsgiving as well. Like, am I relentlessly giving, even when I'm not seeing a return for that? Like, like the Lord says, you will reap what you sow even if you don't understand in the moment that you're sowing that you're going to reap it. And so I, I just, and I don't understand where, how this has invaded the church, but mm, sure. like think every talk you've ever heard about Lent mm-hmm. is oriented towards you. 
It's just like, you're going to pray for you. You're mm-hmm. going to fast for you. Mm-hmm. you. Like you're even giving alms for you. Like, it's like mm-hmm. all we care about is the sanctification of me. It's this egocentric Christianity that is like that. That's not God. Like it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense that it's, and I, mm-hmm. I think the story is so beautiful because my sanctification yeah. comes through the pursuit of the sanctification of others. And when I try to make mm-hmm. the two, two different agendas, I actually miss the mark. You yeah. also get bored. Like I, I'll, I'll leave it there, but you get bored <laughs> relentlessly pursuing you. Yeah. Well, this is, because uh, you're just not that, you're exciting. just not that exciting. <laughs> uh, Dan, why when you, when you pursue two, two different agendas, it just doesn't work. Why? Because, because we were made to be unified right in this. So uh, I, I would like to, I would like to, to wrap it up there. And maybe this is a, this is a taste, right? Of we, we've got a, we've got a handful of shows planned for the rest of this season. And we're going to be, we're going to be diving into those things of, of prayer and fasting and almsgiving and, and how we, how we actually do these in light of mission, not in just a way that serves me, but uh, you know, yeah, a, a life poured out, a life given, a life focused on the other, a life focused on the Lord. Like this is, this is where, those things that don't tend to line up, you know, why is, why is fasting not, not changing my life? Well, it's probably because it's still focused on me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, why, why do my Lenten disciplines not have, not have the transformative effect that I want to see in, in my family and my life and the world around me? It's probably because we, we've, we're not, we're not quite focused yet in, in that, in that way of Lord tear down my idols Lord, build in me a heart that is pure, that is purely focused on you. Uh, God, give me that desire to just, um, and that strength to recklessly pursue you in my to, identity to the end. Son. Yeah, and daughter, yeah. Um, and and uh, as, we, as we wrap up the show today, uh, one, last, one last note about, about Bobby's life. I think, I think many times um, I have, and I think others have in, in my experience said, I know I need to do this thing. I know I need to make this change, but it's too late, right? Uh, I I know I need to I know I need to live a good Lent, but gosh, it's already week two. Mm-hmm. Um, how how do I see this thing happen? I I was I was shocked when I thought for the very first time about the reality this past week that Bobby Simpson's life um, on mission started at the age of forty four. Okay, he he was he was living an awesome life before sure. that, and so many stories that that built the groundwork and the foundation beneath this. But the Cranks Creek Survival Center, which has served and impacted tens of thousands of lives, began when the guy was forty four years old. How old was he when he passed? Eighty six. And he did mission till the day he died. Till the day he died. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's like there's no retirement from your baptism, right? And so you, you yeah. we're called we're called to pursue this till the day so, we die so yeah. i just ask what world changing missions will the three of us be building mm-hmm. at 44 years old yeah. yes be yeah. start be starting at 44 yes. years old right well what that uh, keep you hungry yeah. it's it's not too late um yeah. it's it's not too late to 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 live a life that transforms the world it's not too late to to enter into a relationship with god that changes everything and it's not too late to ask in this lenten season what are your uh like commitments unto, right? Yes. Like I, I just feel that question yeah. being legitimate in this season. So we'll close in prayer and uh, and and wrap up a, g- a good show in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 God, we give this uh, we give this season to you. We give this day to you. We give this uh, this show to you. And Lord, everything that you have spoken to our hearts, um, we pray that it'll become foundational for us, Jesus. That we would never that we would never rest in our idolatry. Lord, that we would that we would never rest, knowing that the love that we have for you is is less than our best. And Jesus, we we pray that we'd receive that grace from you, and that we would be relentless in our pursuit of relationship with you, and in pursuit of of pouring our lives out as a sacrificial offering for the sake of the world. Lord, we thank you for the gift of uh, Bobby Simpson to us and to this. Damascus community, to our youth ministry programs, uh, to the lives of, of many thousands of people. We pray uh, that, that you would receive his soul in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for joining us for Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Special thanks to our partners in mission here at Damascus, St. Gabriel Radio, 
And uh, we look forward to sharing this relentless season of Lent with you again next week. God bless.